So I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverge in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled and that has made all the difference. Robert Frost, the American poet, penned these words in 1915, describing his own journey and the decision that he had to make. He found himself at this place where he had to decide, which road do I take? And if you know the poem, it says that he chose the road less traveled. And he says at the end of that journey, it made all the difference in the world. You see, I don't know if you're aware of this today or not, but the decisions that you and I make today will determine the life that you and I live tomorrow. You're saying, I don't believe that. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Think back to the decisions that you made last week, last month, last year, maybe the last five years. And here's what I want you to see is that those decisions that you made last week, last month, last year, five years have led you to this place today. It's led you to where you are in your life. So the decisions that you and I make today will determine the future that we live. Amen? And that's exactly where we find ourselves today in the Sermon on the Mount. See, Jesus has preached the greatest sermon ever preached. We started all the way back in the fall with the Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do you remember that? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We went through those things and Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching the religious crowd that had gathered to hear him preach on the side of this mountain. He's preaching to scribes and Pharisees. He's preaching to a massive crowd and he gets all the way to this moment in scripture, the moment in his sermon, and like all great preachers, he finally gets to this place where he leads the crowd to this moment where they've got to apply what they've heard. In other words, Jesus has preached this incredible message and he says, it's all been leading to this. And he boils it all the way down to this moment where it's the so what now moment. So but considering all that I've heard, what do I do now with what I've heard? That's why James says, hey, listen, you don't just need to hear the word of God. You don't just need to listen to the word of God. You see, transformation and life change only happens when you apply the word of God and actually do what it says. And so Jesus brings us to this place at the end of his message. He says, this is, listen, this is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. This is where you make a decision. He puts the ball in their court. He puts the ball in our court and says, it's now up to you. You decide you're either in or you're out. You're either in the kingdom or out of the kingdom. There's no middle ground. There's no middle path. You have to decide. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter seven. That's where we're camping out today. Picking up where we left off last week. Jesus in Matthew seven, starting in verse 13 says this. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. 
and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this word that we see your son preach. Jesus, I pray right now in this moment that your spirit, Lord Jesus, would convict, that it would show us who we are in light of who you are, that you would help us to see the things you need us to see, that you would help us to hear and not just hear, but receive and then make a decision. Jesus, you know the heart of every man, woman, and child in this place and those watching online. And Jesus, I'm asking you to meet with them in their greatest point of need. That you would speak to them through your word. That they would hear your voice. And when they hear your voice, Jesus, that they would respond in obedience. We'll give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. So before we jump into this, this morning, I just want to take a little detour for a moment. And God has been moving in this church over the last several months. He moved in a powerful way in the 930 hour. And we saw people move from death to life. We saw people step forward in obedience. And here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you're not here today by accident. You're not here by coincidence. I know some of you think, well, I, I chose this or my wife drug me here, guys, right? Or I'm here just to keep him or her happy. Let me go ahead and just kind of lay the cards on the table and set the pace for the, the tempo for you this morning. Man, I believe that you are here because God wants you here. And I believe God has something to say to us today. I want you to know something. Every single chair in this room has been prayed for this week in our Wednesday night prayer gathering. Every single chair, even the empty ones right now, someone put their hand on that chair and said, God, I am praying for whoever sits in this chair this Sunday that you would meet them there in that place and that they would hear your voice, that they would know that you're real, that they would know that you love them and that you have a great plan for their life and that you would meet with them today. And so I want you to know that your seat has been covered in prayer. And here's what I know. When the people of God pray, God hears and God moves and acts on their behalf, amen? And so I believe with all my heart as we open up this word today that he's gonna move. And here's what I'm asking you to do. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done or where you come from or um, whether you've been in church your whole life or this is your first day here, 
Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And even those of you watching online today, I know Pastor Brad has prayed for every single house that would tune in today. That no matter who you are or where you are, that today, if you hear his voice, that you would just respond. Whatever that is, that you would just say, yes, Lord, I hear you and I will follow you and I will do whatever you're calling me to do and leave the rest up to him. Can y'all make that commitment? Yeah, uh, I'm waiting on an answer. I'm waiting on an answer. Let's, let's, let's dive in. So in Matthew 7, the verses that we just read, I feel like I may need to read them again just to tell us where we're at, but you should have it open. You should see it. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, here's what Jesus says. He says, listen, considering everything that I've said, all of the Beatitudes, all of the, hey, you've heard it said, but I say, y'all remember that one? You've heard it said, you know, love those who uh, love you. No, he says, no, love your enemies. Do you remember that? He raises the bar of righteousness through chapter six. So the Beatitudes, he tells us what it means and what it looks like to belong to the kingdom of God. He gives us the characteristics of kingdom citizens and the standard by which, with which kingdom citizens live by. So he goes through all of that stuff in Matthew five and Matthew six and now in Matthew seven. And Jesus brings the message to this moment where he says, now considering everything you've heard me say, I want you to know this is the moment that matters. This is the moment where it's up to you and you and you and everyone who is listening to make a decision. He says, there's only two options. There are two gates, there are two paths, and those paths lead to two different destinations. And so Jesus lays it out there and he says, listen, it's time to make a decision. I was reading a writer that wrote about this text the other day, and he said, this is the moment where it is the make up your mind on the mountain moment. This is where Jesus looks at the crowd and on the side of the mountain, he says, make up your mind. You're either in or you're out. You're either with me or against me, but it's up to you to decide. There's no middle ground. So a decision has to be made. In our day and age, we have a lot of options. Would you agree with that? We have a lot of choices to make on a daily basis. In fact, I was reading this last week that the average person, listen to this, it's kind of shocking. The average person makes 35,000 choices per day. I dare you to count those tomorrow. Tally them all up. And as you tally everyone, that's a decision. You're deciding to mark it down, right? So you'll get there, 35,000, I promise you. We are so overwhelmed with so many choices. In fact, I was thinking about decisions and choices and 35,000. And I was thinking, man, there's 35,000 choices to choose from just on Netflix alone, right? And I was thinking back to the days back in, some of you will relate to this. Some of you younger people, just bear with me, all right? So listen, I'm about to tell my age and I'm, I'm just warning you. You're not gonna believe it. But when I was a kid, y'all ever hear that one? Not, not walking in the snow uphill both ways, not that one, the other one. When I was a kid, this is what our TV looked like. You see that one on the left right there? You see that one? Now these kids are like, 
what is that thing? Those things coming out of the top, those aren't ears. That's called, those are rabbit ears. That's the antenna, right? And some houses would even have foil crinkled up on top of those bad boys so you could move them all around and, and get a signal. And let me tell you something about this TV, kids. I'm looking at my son right there. That bad boy right there, guess what? It didn't have a remote. You know who the remote was? This one right here. My dad would say, hey, boy, get up and turn that channel. And guess how many channels there were? Three. That's it. Three. And it was usually the news, MASH, or some other thing that I didn't want to watch. And so in my house, when my boys watch this TV, with all of those streaming apps on the bottom, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and now Disney Plus, for crying out loud. We can watch all the classics, any Disney ever made, right? And every single one of those apps have 10,000 plus options. And when my boys look at me and go, man, there's nothing to watch on TV. I'm like, you, boy, you don't, you don't know what I, what I the, the suffering I went through as a kid. You better find something on the 40, 50,000 options on that TV. Because if I come in, I'm just gonna get rid of it all. <laughs> like, it's, it's over. I'll, I'll eliminate all those decisions. But here's what society tells us. Psychologists, people who study this a lot smarter than me, they say, here's the situation we find ourselves in. Is there's this new thing now called this uh, decision-making paralysis. In other words, having too many choices, too many options, leads to no choice being made. It's the, there's nothing on TV. I can't decide. There's too many things, too many choices, too many decisions. Listen, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount does not give us that privilege. He does not give us the opportunity to have paralysis by analysis. He doesn't give us the opportunity to be paralyzed by so many choices. He says, listen, you got two. I'm gonna bottom shelf it for you. I'm gonna bring it down. I'm gonna give you two options, but you've gotta decide. He says, after everything you've heard, here's your two choices. And he narrows it down to just two. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. There's a wide path, and then there's a narrow path. Wide, narrow. The wide path, Jesus says this in Matthew 13, 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. See, the wide path is the road that we all begin on. If you're writing that down, I would encourage you to write that one down too. The wide path is the road where we all begin. And I know some of you are going, no, 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 no. I, was, I'm, I didn't start on the wide path. I was born a saint. You see, Jesus says we must choose to enter through the narrow gate. And the reason that we must enter 
is because we were all born on the outside of that gate. We were all born on the wide path. Listen how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 51.5. He says, Behold, for I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Did you catch that? The psalmist is saying, listen, every single person was born in iniquity. They were born in sin. I know when you hold that precious little baby, you're thinking there is no way he or she is absolutely perfect. And then you take them home. And then they wake you up in the middle of the night. And then you, they, you have to change a lot of diapers and you're going, okay, they're not so perfect anymore. I can remember thinking about this. One of my earliest memories goes back to when I was probably, I don't know, three or four, somewhere in that ballpark. I remember walking into the kitchen in our house, tugging on my mom's shirt, and I said, hey, mom, what does beep mean? And she about lost it. She spazzes out, what did you say? Where did you hear that? Oh my God, my baby. And I'm crying because she's crying. I don't even know what's wrong, what, what, what I said. And then about a week later, we're at the grocery store and there's all this bubble gum and candy on the shelf that is just calling my name. And it lured me in and I picked up a handful. Hey, can I have some of this? No, put it back. And I said, Get in the car, driving down the road, opening up my gum and candy, eating it, like everything's fine. She sees me in the rearview mirror, slams on the brakes. Where did you get that? The store. It was right there for me to have. Take, just whatever you want, just help yourself. Turns the car around, goes back. I have to apologize for stealing. And so what do you have in this moment? Your campus pastor is a cussing thief at four years old. <laughs> a cussing little sinner, thief, liar, deceiver. I mean, any of you relate to that? Like, man, no. How many of you parents in the room, when you brought that little bundle, precious bundle of joy home from the hospital, how many of you received a flyer that said, here's a class you can take next month that will teach your children how to lie? Anybody go to that class? Here's, how you, here's a class for you to take the next month on how to teach your child to be very, very selfish, how to throw fits and rage and get what they want. Anybody take that class? No. Like this is called the doctrine of original sin. It is the fact that every single person ever born on the planet inherited the sinful, broken, rotten to the core DNA of Adam and Eve. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Eve. But if they hadn't blown it, we would. We would have cussed and stolen and done this and done that and not done the things we should, have done, should be doing. All of that's called sin. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, from the moment you were conceived, from the moment you were born, you were on the wide path. You were in your sin. You see the wide, wide is the path that the world walks. 
in the way that the world lives. Listen what Paul says in Ephesians 2. He says this, he says, starting in verse one, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course, the path of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, how many? Oh, y'all gotta do better than that. Among whom we what? All, who's all? Everybody, Everybody. you all, me, everyone, or y'all. If I heard somebody trying to correct me out there in this East Texas, y'all, but also me. Every single person online, every single person ever born, this is our condition. We are born dead in our sins Following the course of this world. That's the wide path, isn't it? Here, just, here's how you can remember that. World equals wide. World equals wide path. He says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul is letting his listeners know in Ephesus that this is our condition, that we are all born on the wide path, dead in our sins, and unless someone rescues us and resurrects our dead beating heart, we will remain there. You can't resurrect yourself. I've never seen a dead person perform CPR on themselves. Have you? If you have, please come talk to me after this because I would love to hear about it. See, the wide path is spacious and easy. It can be followed without a thought. It can be pursued without even trying. You're just there. It requires nothing from you. But yet, Jesus says, in the end, it will cost you everything. If you stay on the wide path, he says, it leads to destruction. See, on the wide path, it's so spacious, so easy to follow. There's plenty of space for all the bright, shiny, attractive things of this world to grow. There's plenty of space for every single person to just wander around and go wherever they want, do whatever they want, act however they want, treat people the way that they want. It's all about them, what they want. They're gonna do what they want, when they want, how they want. They're the center of their own little universe. It is very difficult to just wander off of this path because it's so wide. You see, the wide way is the way of the unthoughtful. It is the way of the undisciplined. It is the way of the world. It is the ungodly way. It is the materialistic way. It is the carnal way, the fleshly way. It is where it's all about you and what you want. You can make your decisions. You can know all things. You can be your own God. Sound familiar? 
Oh, God didn't mean that. You just do what you want. You take your own path. It is inclusive. It includes the various views, the various religions, the various lifestyles of this world. It is a pathway of self-achievement, self-works, self-righteousness. It is all about the self. It is popular, it is crowded, and it is very, very alluring. And here's what Jesus says. He says, it is a dead road, a dead end road that leads to destruction. Listen what Solomon says in Proverbs about this path. Proverbs 14, 12, he says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, the wealthiest man to ever live, the man who had tried everything, says, oh, there's a way that seems right in, to every man, right in his own mind, but I'm just telling you that that rightness is wrong and that path leads to death and destruction. This was the path I lived on for 23 years. It was wide it was easy. I could do whatever I want, whenever I want. It was all about me. I thought I was right and everybody else was wrong. I'd been to church. I'd heard the gospel. I'd been in the youth. I'd done all those things. And I was like, man, I, yeah, me and God, we're good. I know where I'm going, but until then, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to live however I want to live. See, I thought I was right, and I was dead wrong. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It wasn't until 23 years old, at 2 a.m., in my apartment in San Marcos, Texas, that I got woke up, literally and spiritually. I opened my eyes, lying there in bed, looking at the disaster of my life, wondering if there was a God, if he was even real, knowing that the path I'd been on was so broken and so empty and so hollow and so miserable. I hated who I saw when I looked in the mirror. And I despised the person looking back at me, but I didn't know how to change him. I didn't know how to pick up all the broken pieces of this jacked up life that I had been living. And even if I could, I didn't know how to put them back together. It was at that moment I realized, man, I'm on a path that leads to nowhere but death and destruction. God, if you're real, man, I need you to save me. I need you to do something in me that I can't do for myself. 
You see, there is the wide path. And then Jesus tells us very plainly in this text, there's another way. It's called the narrow path. See, the narrow path is a path that you and I get to choose. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 7. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Enter by the narrow gate. You see, Jesus is saying, you and I, all of those people that were listening to him in that moment on the side of that mountain and all of those people still sit, that are sitting in this room today and those sitting there watching online, this is still the truth today as it was, is still as true today as it was back then when Jesus said it himself. There's still only one way. Two choices, but one way. Jesus says, this way, the narrow way, you must decide. You must enter into it. It's not gonna happen by accident. You're not born into it. You can't inherit it from grandmammy and grandpappy or mama and daddy. You don't just automatically become a Christian because you were born in East Texas and go to church every now and then. He says, you must enter into. You see, the world thinks heaven happens by default. I can't tell you how many times I've sat and talked with a family who's lost a loved one. And as they share the details about this person's life with me, it is obvious and clear that this person is on the wide path they never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And ever, I can't tell you how many times those people will sit there and go, well, I'm just glad they're in a better place now. I sure am thankful that they're in heaven. And every time in my mind, I don't ever say it, but in my mind, I'm going, no, they're not. because they never got off the wide path. They never entered through the narrow gate. So the path that they were on when they were born, they stayed on it their whole life. They never got off. They never made a decision and they continued down that path and it led to destruction. And now they are in the destiny that Jesus said they would be in. And it is a destiny where they are separated from him forever. See, Jesus says, you and I have a choice and we get to choose, but we have to make a decision right now while we're alive, while our heart's still beating, while there's breath in our lungs, because there's coming a day when you take your last breath, when it will be too late and you will not be able to enter in and you will spend forever separated because you couldn't decide. See, it has to be a deliberate decision to enter in. It will not happen just by walking through these doors. It will not happen by giving a few bucks every now and then to different charities and nonprofits. 
it will not happen by just being a good person and having manners and all of those things that we hear people say. It is a decision that has to be made by every single individual person. You don't go as a group. You don't go as a family. You make a decision one-on-one with how, if you're going to enter in. Mom can't do it for you. Dad can't do it for you. Grandparents can't do it. No one can make that decision but you. Listen what Jesus says in John 10 as he describes this reality about him being the narrow gate. Jesus says this to them. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. In some translations, I am the gate. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. He says again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Isn't that good news? Jesus tells us very plainly in John 10, I am the door, I am the gate. I love that passage of scripture because Jesus is talking about himself as the good shepherd. And he says, listen, there are others that have come before me. They're all liars and deceivers and robbers. They're trying to enter in through another way. And he says, but my sheep didn't listen. My sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. And when I call to them, they enter in through the gate. And he says, I am the gate. And he says, I'm the only way. You see, the narrow path is hard and costly. The narrow path is a daily decision to die to self. That's why Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, he says this, if anyone who, I need, to, I need you to say it like you actually believe it. If what? Anyone would, that means anyone, right? I don't care who you are, what you've done, what you haven't done, how far you feel from God, how long you've been running down this wide path. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. See, it will cost you. The narrow path is hard and costly. Jesus says in Luke nine, hey, if anyone would enter in, come after me, let him or her deny themselves, lay everything down, pick up a cross, which is a picture of us crucifying the old me, crucifying everything about self, everything that I want, and saying, I choose you, Jesus, over everything else. And I'm gonna pick up my cross and I'm gonna follow you no matter what the cost he says, it will cost you everything. It, you mean everything? Everything. It will cost you your pride. It will cost you your self-sufficiency where you think I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm strong enough. And if you're like me, you're thinking, and gosh darn it, people what? Like me. It will cost you your greed, your lust, your desire for power and control. It will cost you, listen to this, don't miss this one. It will even cost you relationships. 
There are family, friends, co-workers, neighbors. There are people that you have been running with on that wide path all your life. And the moment you say, I'm going this way, I'm entering through the narrow gate, I'm going down this path, I'm getting off this path, those people will not understand. There will be family, friends, people that you love dearly that they will think you have lost your ever-loving mind. They won't understand it. It says that it is foolishness to those who are perishing. And you will try your hardest to talk to them and convince them and tell them this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. And he says there's only one way to enter in and that is through the narrow gate. And I'm going through it with or without you. And I wish you would come. I can remember it like it was yesterday at 23. I gave my life to Christ at two in the morning. God started changing me, everything about my life. Nothing looked the same. I'm telling you, nothing looked the same. I was a bartender and I've never said this from stage. I was a bartender on 6th Street in Austin, Texas, for crying out loud. Lots of alcohol, lots of drugs, lots of you fill in the blanks. I know we got kids in the room. And Jesus Christ radically saved me at two in the morning. And I couldn't, listen, I could not go back to where I'd been. I couldn't go back. And I didn't know who to tell. I thought, man, if I tell my roommates, my friends, my fellow bartenders, my social club, my crowd, my people, they're going to think I've lost my mind. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're not gonna understand this. I remember sitting by the pool at my a family member's house one night. And man, we lived on the wide path together. This is a family member. And he could see something different in me. Thank God. He said, what's wrong with you? I said, what's wrong with you? You can do that with family, right? He said, you're not the same anymore. I said, you're right, I'm not. And he said, and he said what happened? I told him. Here's what he said. He said, man, I, I can't believe you fell for that fairy tale. I can't believe that you actually believe that. He said, man, I thought you were a whole lot smarter than that. I said, man, all I know is I was over here this is who I was, this is where I'm at, and this is what God has done. And I'm different, I'm not the same. Breaks my heart. This family, this this someone I thought, man, surely God, like, they'll come with me. They're still as lost as can be to this day. Still walking down the wide path thinking that it's all good.
You see, it's unpopular to be on the narrow path. The world will see you and me when we enter through that gate and start walking down that path. The world will see you and me as narrow-minded. You ever heard that one? Man, you Christians, I can't believe you're so narrow-minded. They have no idea how narrow-minded I really am. And it's not my fault. It's just that I entered through a narrow gate. I'm following Jesus down a narrow road and this is what he says. And so that's what I believe and that's how I live. You see, the world believes this. They believe that every single path and every single road all leads to the same place. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe. You can do whatever you want to do. Believe whatever you want to believe. You can practice a little bit of this religion, a little bit of that. Sprinkle in some of this. And you will all end up in heaven. Heaven heaven just happens by default. And that is not what the gospel says. That's not what Jesus says. Listen what Jesus says. You see, the narrow path, listen, if you're taking notes, is a one-way path. It is extremely narrow. It's extremely hard. And this is what Jesus, it's not what I say, it's what Jesus says. He says this in Matthew, John 4, 14, 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's narrow. I didn't make this up. Jesus said it. If you got a problem with it, go to him and talk to him about it. Jesus said there is only one way to get to the Father and it's through me. So Jesus in John 14 is saying this, I am the narrow gate, I am the narrow way, and guess what? I am the life that you've been searching for. And the only way is through the cross of Christ. That is how narrow it is. Do you see the narrow gate now? It is the cross of Christ. It is that hard, that narrow. And the only way you're getting in to the kingdom of God is through the cross of Christ. He leaves no other options for you or for me. He's saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the gate. And the only way you're getting into my kingdom is to come to the cross, lay all of your stuff down at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, here I am. Save me, forgive me. I'm coming in through the gate. I need you more than anything else in this life. That is the only way you're getting in is to see the cross of Christ and go, you did that for me. You loved me enough to come and stand in my place, to take on all of my guilt, all of my sin and all of my shame and nail it to a tree. And then you gave me your holiness and perfection in place of all of my brokenness and sin. It's called the great exchange. It's the greatest exchange in the history of the world 
Martin Luther says, we come to the cross of Christ and we are so broken and jacked up and messed up with all of our sin and all of our junk and all of our selfishness. And we get to give it to him. And in return, he gives us his righteousness and his perfection. You see, I'm sure in this moment when, when Jesus was preaching this message in Matthew 5, when Jesus looks at the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day and all of the people who were gathered there, and he said, listen, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees were the most devout religious people in that day and age. I mean, they walked the walk. They followed the law, every letter of it. And Jesus is saying, unless your righteousness surpasses theirs, you'll never enter in. And I'm sure for the next several moments as he preached, they're thinking, who can be saved then? Who can ever enter into the kingdom of heaven if we've got to be able to surpass their righteousness? And then right here we see that the way we achieve more than their righteousness is not on our own. It's when we receive the righteousness of Christ. When we trade all of our brokenness for his perfection. So let me ask you this. Which path are you on? <coughs> Two paths two different destinations. <clears throat> when we started this morning, I said, man, I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to his voice. <clears throat> I want you to ask yourself, where am I really? Like what path am I on? In other words, have you found him, the narrow gate? Have you entered through the narrow gate? See, it's, it's one thing to, to come to church and to look at the narrow gate and to appreciate the narrow gate and to sing songs about the narrow gate and to clap about the narrow gate and to celebrate the narrow gate but it's a totally different thing to walk through the narrow gate. I'm telling you, I sat in church, I went to youth group, I went to camp and VBS and all of those things. I walked the aisle one year at camp when I was in seventh or eighth grade because I heard about that other destination, this place called hell. And I went, that sounds really awful. I got enough comments. I don't wanna go there. So I walked the aisle, prayed a prayer that meant nothing to me, walked out of that camp and continued to live on the wide path the rest of the days, my days till I was 23. So from 13 to 23, for the next 10 years, I lived on the wide path, even after I walked an aisle and said a prayer that meant nothing to me. 
I deceived myself with my religion. I thought I was better than I was. And for the next 10 years, and I just lived on the wide path that was headed toward destruction. So Jesus tells us very plainly in Matthew 7, church, those of you joining us online today, it's where the rubber meets the road. You got two options. You got two gates, two paths, and two destinations. But you have to decide. No one can do it for you. The wide path leads to destruction. The narrow path leads to life. And he says, listen, and few find it. And I don't know where you're at, but man, I want to be found. I want to be the few that find it. I want to be found in him. So as our worship team comes out and begins to lead us in a time of response, here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to ask yourself that question. As they play and they lead us in worship, I want you to really get honest with yourself and honest with God. And I want you to say, man, have I ever gotten off of the wide path and entered into a relationship with Jesus by entering through the narrow gate? Have I ever done that? Have I ever entered in through the narrow gate, entered onto the narrow path? Or have I just been telling myself that I have? See, somebody in this room or maybe watching online is going, man, I don't have to decide anything. And let me tell you, no decision is still a decision. It's a decision to stay where you are, doing the same thing you've always done and expecting something to be different in your life. But for the wise person who hears the word of God and makes a decision and responds, Jesus says, you will be saved. So as they play and as I pray for us over the next few moments, there's plenty of time. I'm just gonna ask you to do business with God. And if you hear his voice, would you follow him? Would you respond? We'll have decision encouragers up front. If you've been on the wide path and you say, today's the day I see the gate and I'm walking through it. Man, we wanna know that. We wanna celebrate that with you. We wanna pray with you. But I'm just telling you, it's not you walking the aisle and meeting with a person up here that's gonna save you. It is you crying out to God wherever you are saying, God, I am desperate for you. I finally can see it. I see you for who you are and I see myself for who I am. And God, I am far from you and I need you to do for me what I can't do for myself. That is the only way to enter into the kingdom is to place your life in his hands and he will do for you what you can't do for yourself. He will pick up all of the broken pieces of your life and he will start to put them back together and it will be more than you ever imagined. For others in this room, 
Maybe you have entered in, but you've never let anyone else know. Maybe you've never been obedient saying, God, I want the world to know that I've entered through the gate, that I'm on the path and that I belong to you. And the way that we do that is through believer's baptism. We follow our Savior's lead and we follow in his steps. And he says, hey, be baptized. Let the world know that you no longer live, that you've been crucified the old you, and now you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. That's a beautiful picture. And so if you're here today and that's you, and don't make any more excuses. Don't walk out of this place going, I I think I'm okay. Because I'm gonna promise you, listen, you're not promised tomorrow. James says life is here and it's like a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So the decision you make today will determine the life you live tomorrow and for all of eternity. I would encourage you to choose wisely. Listen what Paul says in Romans. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Do you know him? Have you entered in through the narrow gate and are you on the narrow path? If you are, you are promised life now and life with him forever. But if you're not, if you're not sure, you're uncertain, then the only other answer is this, you're still on the wide path and it leads to destruction. Would you pray with me? Father, have your way in this place. Father, let your word go out and do what you said it would do. Let it cut, let it convict, let it heal. Let it show people who they are in light of who you are. Let it be all about you, Jesus, the narrow gate, the one who made a way when there was no way, the one who sees us and knows us in our deepest, darkest places and you love us the same and you call us out of that place and you want us to enter in and have a relationship with you now and forever. And so God, for anyone in this room, anyone watching online, God, I pray that today would be the day that they see you and that they enter in through you and that you would give them a life that they couldn't even begin to imagine. And we'll give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.